following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode here of the Kick Pie Podcast, the podcast dojo for inspirational martial arts talk. I'm your host, TJ Williams, fourth degree black belt of the Chuck Norris system, giving you the insight of my martial arts journey, discussing and analyzing martial arts-based subjects, and highlighting individuals involved in martial arts of all styles, past, present, and future. For those who just joined me on this show for the first time, this is a pre-recorded episode, so whatever I talk about in this episode is either already passed or is coming up. So I'm not going to go into any details of um, world um, news um, other than um, the passing of Tina Turner, of course, a pioneer in the music business. So she uh, passed away at the age of 83. So hopefully my everything's going to be all right with um, her friends and family. And then, of course, um, the music world will be moving on as well as um, with everything else in the world. All right. So I got a guest with me today um, coming from Boulder, Colorado. Of course, he's a martial arts hall of famer and he's um, studies the style of ninjutsu as well as uh, Kung Fu. And he has two podcasts of his own, uh, the MAT, which stands for Martial Arts Talk and the Parenting um, Podcast called Beyond Risk and Back. And he is he uses ADHD as a superpower, which pretty much fits with me because yet yeah, I use that as a superpower. Uh, so I like everybody to introduce you to um, Aaron Huey. So he decided he um, agreed to be on the show today. So I know it's going to be twenty or thirty minutes because I got to teach a class my, myself. Uh, so how are we doing? TJ, uh, thank you so much. And again, I know I changed so many times on you. I just want you people to know how patient and uh, compassionate you were to my nomadic lifestyle. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. And thanks for letting me shout at your audience. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So of course, um, I'm, it's actually good that I'm actually I'm talking to a, a Hall of Famer. Of course, I, I think I had a couple of Hall of Famers on my show, but definitely, if, if not, then you'll be the first. Well, that'd be awesome. I'd be honored if that's the case. I was inducted last year uh, in July. Uh, Professor John Terry was was extremely generous. I had gone to the Hall of Fame itself just to do my podcast, and I had co-created a uh, class to certify instructors in working with heavily traumatized children. Of course, I'm, I'm sure that's a topic we'll get into in the in the class, but that's my specialty and that's where my martial arts school began. And so in conjunction with the Martial Arts Hall of Fame, I had created this course and uh, through the experience and doing all the interviews and you know creating all the certifications, uh, John Terry out of his benevolent heart, uh, he, he himself nominated me and I did not know that I had been nominated until the day of the award ceremony. I was overwhelmed, of course, honored, and I really wish it was because of my kicks and punches. I really do, because, man, there's some badasses there. But alas, my kicks and punches at 53 years old are slowing down just a little bit. Um, 
very impressed by the skill and the prowess of those martial artists there. Uh, but I'm just honored to be counted among them uh, for my work in the martial arts all these years. So it was awesome. Uh, this year, a very good friend of mine, Jeff Hamilton, is being inducted. And then also a grandmaster who's on my international martial arts team, uh, Grandmaster Michael Liu. Much honor and respect to him, Taekwondo. Uh, a, he's being inducted as well into the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame. So big fan of John Terry's, and I'm just I'm just really honored to be counted among them. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Now, speaking of uh, being inducted in some or being nominated, but of course, I'm not being not, uh, inducted or nominated for anything, but other than um, for my convention that is coming up in the month, uh, we have normally uh, these three awards that are given out. There's um, Instructor of the Year, uh, School of the Year, and Most Inspirational. So for me, this is be my third time in a row that I was nominated for Most Inspirational. So oh. the first two times I didn't win, but likely this year I might win. But, you know, if I don't, then likely somebody's going to nominate me next year. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, just just saying that, like, everything you were talking about just right now, this pretty much is the path I'm going through, um, actually being inspirational to these kids, not just through kicks and punches, but through my life experience. So, yeah, yeah I can relate to what you're doing right now. Yeah, well, thank you. And good luck to you. And I'm rooting for you. Um, I tell you the the difference that I that I experienced in starting my martial arts school. I started just a very small school in Boulder, Colorado, and very early on, I had a parent contact me. Uh, she was a teacher. I uh, had worked with her son off and on in some kids camps that I was the assistant director of in the town of Boulder, and she had just caught her six-year-old trying to kill himself for the third time. She walked in on him. He was trying to hang himself in the bathroom. And she called me up, obviously in tears, very desperate. And she said, you know, can you, can you work with him? Can you do something? And what are you going to say? No. So of course you say yes. And the way of the warriors, we say yes, and we figure it out, right? We learn on the way up. We launch the rocket. We build it on the way to the moon. And so I said yes, and I set up a private session with this kid, and then I just spent the, that those next two days immersing myself into how to talk to a child about suicide. And what I loved about the, the information that I was receiving was like, no bullshit, don't cut corners, don't cupcake, don't cookie it. This child has thought of everything. You ask them what their plan was. You find the details. You step into their darkness. And as martial artists, that darkness that we study every and that discipline that we have of practicing these techniques, whether they're death strikes or whether they're just good old-fashioned front kicks where you're just finding your technique and your form, we're in that shadow, right? That way of the warriors to be able to walk in the shadow, but you walk through that shadow all the way to the light. And that's what this six-year-old did in this conversation is he marched his butt right towards the light. And I said, we made a contract, a behavior contract at the end of the conversation where I said, listen, in one year and one day, if you don't hurt yourself, and if you reach out to your three phone numbers, if you feel like hurting yourself, you make a phone call, you tell your mom, you call me, I don't care what time of day or night, I'm with you. I will stand in that cave and I will face that dragon with you. In one year and one day, if you are successful, I will buy you a Viking sword. Well, I am so happy to say that that man is 25 years old. He has a degree in Norse mythology and Norse studies. So that Viking sword counted for something. 
He was with me when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and we worked together, and we've uh, designed a video game that currently has 95,000 users. So not only is alive, but he's the Thrive, and he's my hero. And that started for me this path of, I want those kids. I, w- I want the kids who the other people don't know how to reach. I want the hardest ones. That's going to be my martial arts path. I want to be in the darkness with these kids. I want to be in the shadow. I want to fight dragons. That built a martial arts school, very successful, because obviously this woman was a teacher and told counselors. And then that turned into us running these camps for these ADHD kids and these kids struggling with mental health. And that turned into... Uh, us and I mean my wife and I running after school camps and then running summer camps and then running teen rites of passage programs until one day a woman said can my kid just come live with you because when he's with you he does great when he's with me it's drugs it's mental health it's depression my wife and I said yes and a week later TJ we had six boys living in our home and four more on a wait list. And we had opened a sober home for teenage boys that grew and grew and turned into a residential mental health and addiction recovery center for adolescents, co-ed. And we ended up winning top 50 healthcare provider in the United States. And I want people listening to TJ's show. I want you to understand this is through martial arts, the foundation, the cornerstone of this work, working with girls who've been trafficked, working with boys who have ADHD and are out of control with drugs, that martial arts, that thing that saved my life, saved their life. Then when I sat down with Professor John Terry, I said, look, as martial arts instructors, what we got to stop doing is helping these kids accidentally. What we've got to stop doing is dealing with trauma accidentally, because if we deal with it wrong, we'll make it worse. So that's why I created the Safe Dojo Project, where it's just an accreditation course for martial arts instructors to work with very traumatized children, to work with kids who are struggling with addiction, abandonment, abuse, being heavily assaulted, and to become a resource in the community beyond what we already experience, but to work with the therapists and the counselors in their community to be that hero, that mentor, to teach these children who are lost in the darkness how to find their light. Oh, most definitely. Man, you said a mouthful. I mean, really, I was just picking up everything that you were saying in there. But I definitely want to go back to that later. But definitely one one thing about my podcast when I'm interviewing guests is to highlight the guests themselves. So we're going to take a step backwards or back in time with you. So I got three questions for you to kind of uh, to understand your, your past and getting into your current point right now. So yeah, please. The, three, the first three questions would be like, Describe yourself before getting into martial arts. What's that one event that got you interested? And what was that one event that pushed you to get started? So uh, I was a, I, I never met my biological father. I was bullied mercilessly as a kid and I was sexually assaulted. And so I had a great dad, the man who raised me, not my father, but the man who raised me, best daddy I could ever ask for. My mom was awesome. But I struggled because I had that self-loathing, that self-deprecation from not having a biological father. You know, how could I be lovable if that that man who's supposed to be sitting in that seat isn't here? And uh, so that was rough. And that led to being bullied. I was in seventh grade and Richard Pappenfuss, we called him Pappy. He was our PE teacher. You know, and this is back in the 70s. Started teaching us karate. 
uh, I thought I've never heard it called that, right? It's always karate and all the TV shows and everything. And I like the shows all right enough, but he started teaching us and I was in love, man. He would let us go out into the park next to the school and we'd have a partner. We'd hide behind trees, run out and grab our partners in a chokehold. We'd flip them and stuff onto the grass. And I loved it. And I was getting bullied. This was seventh grade. It's 12 years old. I was getting bullied so bad. He kept me after class one time. So that's what got me started. Kept me after class one time. And he said, Aaron, come here. All the kids had left. And we went over onto the wrestling mats. And he said, I want you to flip me. Now, this was a big man. This was a big, big man. I'm talking 280, maybe three. And I, was a, I wasn't even a buck five soaking wet, holding 100 pounds in my hand. Like I was a tiny kid. And I started crying. You're going to crush me. I can't do it. I can't do it. And he grabbed me by the shoulders. And he said, stop pretending you can't do stuff. And he flipped me around and he grabbed me in a serious chokehold. Now, remember, this is the 70s. Teachers could still do that to kids. And I, I you know, I, I grabbed the, the, the elbow. I hold his skin out, tuck my chin, you know, twist the skin, tuck the chin, step back into his center line. And the man just flew over my shoulders. He hit that ground on that mat. Boom. Echoed through the gym. He got up and he was out of breath. Like I had knocked the wind out of him. And he said, you can do it. Go show him. And I walked out of there and that was now martial arts is every day for the rest of my life. Even even in my dark years of drug addiction, because when I got sexually assaulted, I was quite a bit older and I I went into the deep and dark of drugs. But that martial arts, man, I just celebrated three days ago. I just celebrated 25 years sobriety. One thing I've done since I was 12 years old to the age of 53 is martial arts. So that's it. It, it didn't just save my life, but it stayed with me in those dragon times. Um, but, but I have to credit Richard Pappenfuss. Now, when I was in high school, my parents did a pretty kick butt thing. They sent me to Japan. And Mm -hmm. while I was out there, I didn't know I was an exchange student and I didn't know, but I was living in the town where Grandmaster Masaki Hatsumi, the 34th Grandmaster of Togakuri Ninjutsu or Nimpo Taijutsu lived. And I got to meet him and I went to the museums. Now this is in the eighties with all the ninja movies going nuts. And I got invited to study with him and his students. So I spent three months doing nothing but ninja. So while other kids were skateboarding and throwing a Frisbee, I was on top of ropes on the treetops with ninjas, six degree and higher, and playing hide and seek with ninjas and learning Nimpo Taijutsu. And that shook me. But what happened is when I came home, my first day back at school, I'm sorry, within the first two weeks of school, my bully from middle school grabbed me in the hallway and he put me in a chokehold and I dropped him and everybody's everybody in the hallway. Cause we are a small town. We all grew up together. They had all known this kid made my life a nightmare, but all of a sudden he's laying on the ground and I'm standing there in Ichimanji no Kamai. And they're like, what the, f-? and that was it. That was the beginning of, all right, I got power. I got force. I got both. And uh, that's how it began, man. Oh, man. Just just thinking of one thing, you went to Japan and learned ninjutsu. But yeah. I have one question toward that. Um, What's the myth uh, people uh, say about, about ninjutsu? Like, like we, well, in their, in their um, interpretation, you know, a lot of people say like ninjas are like invisible or yeah. everything. But 
what's what's your interpretation of um, what Nujitsu is? Well, we could say Grandmaster Hatsumi and uh, uh, Stephen Hayes, they've spent a lot of time really exposing the truth behind these myths. The number one truth being, we know the myths. We promoted the myths. That's part of ninjutsu. Nin means perseverance. Like, like this is not, you know, people would say oh, it's the, asar- the art of assassination. No, it's the art of perseveration. Like, like nin means to persevere. Before you were ever trained in these killing arts and these dim mock points and these fighting styles that was very unique and utilized any weapon, anything as a weapon, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's a napkin dispenser or a, a gun. And in fact, uh, Master Hatsu, Grandmaster Hatsumi was in a in Ohio and he was asked, you know, what is the what is the number one defense against a pit bull? And Grandmaster sat back and made the hand gesture for cocking a shotgun, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's like, like the ninja used all weapons, but before you ever put a weapon in your hand, you had to understand the Toshin Do, the, 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 the mind, the power of the mind, the ninja were trained to hold the outcome in their mind. You know, they were the first practitioners of the secret of manifesting the outcome. It didn't matter whether you died. All that mattered is that you held the end in mind and the end will justify the means. You know, were they better fighters than the samurai? I don't think so. But the samurai had these codes, you know, the, the hagakuri, they they had these this honor. Whereas the ninja said, I'm going to survive. I'm going to persevere. And that was the magic that they possessed. When you when you read in their manuals and you get to see the the, the modern renditions of the ancient ninjutsu or nimpo taijutsu scrolls, you can see it. people's like they can run on water. Man, they had a flotation device. They knew what would float it. They sat on it. They had sandals that when they pumped their feet up and down, it propelled them across the water. But people hadn't seen this stuff. You know, when they their blinding powder was flour, cayenne pepper, and ground nettle. And so it scratched the cornea. So when it came out of the shirt or the egg, a hollowed out egg with tape over it, it hit you and exploded in your face and your eyes were open, you were blind temporarily. And then when they would escape, you know, they leave a monkey behind that's dressed like them. And people started chasing the monkey because the ninja knew how powerful the power of superstition and rumor and perpetuating the, the lie but what you didn't know is that they were your next door neighbor. It was, it's fascinating science, but first it was the art of the mind and it was the art of healing and it was the medicine arts and the arts of balance and these shudokin jutsu of throwing and the art of, and then they got into the dimmak. Then we understood when you throw a punch and we, we do our circular block from Ichimanji no Kamai and your arm falls dead at your side for 15 minutes. It's because we know the strike points. That's what made people go, it's magic. Yeah, it is, as long as you believe it. I love that. Yeah. All right. So uh, I got two more questions for you before we can't get to our hidden dojo segment. Sure. Okay, so who do you look up to in this journey and what inspirational quote best describes your journey? Who do I look up to? You know, I'm going to come back to Grandmaster Masaki Hatsumi simply because I was 16 years old. I was a nobody. Man, I was 
was from Longmont, Colorado, like just the middle of nowhere, some hick town. And this guy spent two hours with me in his private meditation dojo. I'm literally with one of the most powerful martial artists on the earth. And he took his time with me. He talked to me. He was present with me. And flip off an autograph with his hand. Two hours I had with one of the greatest practitioners of martial arts in the world. And to this day at 53 years old, I have no idea why. But that, that was the medicine. Not, not just the healing of the bullying and everything and coming back and dropping my bully, Tim Haney, into the dirt, you know, and everybody going, ooh, man, he, he, he gave me his time, not just knowledge. He gave me his energy, not just his skill. That, that showed me how to be a mentor. That showed me how to be a man. It, that, that's still to this day. I don't know why but I'm going to give to others what he gave to me. The life that I've been living, traveling all over the world, lecturing on martial arts. I just got back from Spain, teaching 180 students, just this inner game, the the mindset of the warrior, the philosophy of the warrior, and yeah, how to fight. And, you know, heavy metal music and they're hitting things and they're ready to die. They're ready to drop. It's like, what do you love so much? that you would die for it. Who do you love so much? You would die and kill. That's the way of the warrior. That this is the path of love, not the path of violence, not the path of darkness. It's through the darkness and through the violence to the heart. No warrior thinks they're the bad guy. Every warrior is doing what they do because they love something so much they would kill, live, and die for it. And if you would kill for it, if you would die for it, can you live for it? Can you can you press your body 20% farther than you are? Like that's what the, the Navy SEALs have figured out. How to improve human perform, performance by 20%. So what can you do in the gym? Can you do 20% more? Forget it. Do, do 1%. Do 1% more every day. And guess what? In a year, you've done 365% of a change. The way of the warrior is very simply, you will not know how far you can go until you go too far. Do you find that edge of fatigue and take one more step until you've been beaten down and they're coming with that final blow or that final swing of the club and your hand goes up? You know you're dead. Your hand goes up anyway. Where you love something so much, it's not about living and dying anymore. It's about, man, can you get your finances in order? Because these finances, they're not for you. They're for them. You're a servant. As a warrior, we are a servant to something we love so much. So get your shit together and do it for them. Don't do it for you. Do it for them. Do it for your children, your daughter, your son, your mother, your father. And man, if you find yourself in that space where you got no father and, and you don't know what it's like to receive a father's love, no more excuses. Learn how to give what you never received. Well, I don't know how to cry. I was never taught I could cry. No more excuses. The warrior doesn't make excuses. We make progress. We, we create evolution. We step out onto the precipice and we go, I don't know, but I'm going to learn. That's the way of the warrior. So that's what I love. We go too far. We go one step farther and we change human achievement.
amazing everything you just said just describes what i'm doing right now you know i've been the war with black belt tests like four times and you know i'm telling these students that i'm not doing this for myself i'm doing this for you i mean i went to war for you i mean yeah. especially especially for me going for fifth degree in a month i mean i won't be testing physically but i'm going up there to get that fifth degree for them i mean that's what i'm basically putting my time in other than going home after work i'm just taking my time away from going home and trying to save these students and just when you were talking about that six-year-old that you saved from from suicide you know, I'm thinking about my one student whose um, father passed away and he was just um, emotionally broken down. And, you know, of course, I was thinking he was going to quit. But, you know, I always was um, pretty much like checking on him, seeing how he was doing, because, you know, I knew who, who his father was. And yet um, his mother, of course, I contacted her a couple of times and try to make sure he was good. And I was like, tell, tell him to take his time, like, get, get it all in and come back and I'll be ready for you. Yeah. That's it. Yep. That's it. Is it, is it you, 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 we teach these kids how to go through the darkness and when they emerge, we're still standing there. That's what a mentor is. And sometimes if they can't face the darkness, you take their hand, you grab your spear and you go, come on, I got you. I got your back. I got your back. No matter what, I know life sucks. I really do, man. I really do. I've been in my own darkness so I can handle yours. Let me show you how. And then one day, you got to take it on. You got to pass it on. That's that's why I created Safe Dojo. That's why I teach parents how to work with teenagers who are really struggling. That's why it's because somebody did it for me. Grandmaster took his time and he gave me light and life. A, a man took his time and he became my dad, right? And that's what it means to be a man. You go do this for someone else. Right. Someone saved your ass. You go save someone ass. By that, we'll save each other. Yeah, definitely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our um, hidden dojo segment of the uh, podcast. So this is where I ask uh, Aaron a couple questions. Um, basically, this is basically the fun part. So definitely, uh, besides martial arts, this is basically the fun side of you. So, you ready for this? I'm going to bring it. All right, so I'm going to ask you two, and this two-part question, all right, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten, and what's the worst piece piece of advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> I'm going to start with the worst. One of my first martial arts instructors, Sensei Stevens, God bless his heart, man, military, served his country, but uh, had the old school screaming and yelling at you, and I was a little kid, I was just trying to trying to begin. And he said, stop crying. That's what he said. That was the worst advice I ever got. Stop crying. Because, man, I'm a crybaby. And that is the best thing that I have for my own soul is to be able to sit down and just let it go. Because it's trying to come out. So that's, that's, the, uh, that's the worst advice I ever got. Like, I went back to his class. I kept going. But that was the worst advice I ever got. You know, the best advice I ever got is from my dad. He said, be the dumbest person in the room. If you're in the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Go be the dumb one. Because when you're dumb, you win and you learn. When you think you're the smartest, you're back to win and lose. So I credit my dad for that one. 
Uh, one thing I normally say to my students, it's better to humble yourself and be exalted later than exalting yourself and being humble, be humble later. later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, there, there ain't nothing like ending up face down on the mat with a bloody nose and going, well, I just learned something. And I, I mean, having my ninjutsu instructor, he, 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 he's, he's demoing with me, he goes, you punch. And I threw a punch and he grabbed my hand in the air. And he goes, oh, you're a kind man. I was like, oh, okay. And I swung full tilt on this dude. And I, he pretzeled me. I'm laying on the ground. I'm in so much pain. Everything's twisted up. I am a pretzel. And he says, again. And then, so you get up and you slow that punch down so you can see what he did. And he showed me, showed me what he did. And then what I love about Nimpo Taijutsu, you learn it enough. And then the instructor comes around. He wants you to do it to them. We, we always knew what we were doing work because we could put the instructor on the floor. But you know what? Always make sure you can kill your students. Never teach them everything. That is also something Grandmaster said. Always <laughs> be able to kill your students. <laughs> hey, uh, how do you reward yourself? I call this a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I go outside and I throw axes. No, you know what? I and I and I I do. I, I'm a huge into axe throwing. Um, I do that with all my clients. It's a big part of my martial arts school. So when I take a quick break, I throw axes. But my guilty pleasure is I'm I'm a digital nomad. My wife and I have put ourselves in a position that all the work, all the success I have with real estate, largely due to her brilliance, but the business, I, the company I am a partner in and work for, how I make my money, I can do it anywhere. So I go everywhere. I want to see this whole world, man. You guys, this whole world, I've, I've taught all over the place, India, Malaysia, Spain, all over Brazil, all over the United States. I, I've, I've been able to be a martial arts instructor the world over. Here's what I know. Everybody's just trying to pay their rent, love their kids, or fall in love. Man, just chill out. Everybody just chill out. Stop. Just, just stop. This world is filled with people who just want to love and hug and get to know you. <clears throat> Go get to know them. Man, as a Viking, you travel. And there is no wiser person than the traveled man. They deserve the place, the seat closest to the fire and the biggest cup of meat. And so when a traveling man comes to your home, welcome him in and start asking questions. But yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. I live on the road. I love it. Hey, oh, here's a two-part question. Uh, what famous movie would you want to be in and Dream Celebrity Encounter? Dream Celebrity Encounter, Will Smith. That's the easy one, man. I <laughs> dig him. I dig his story. I dig his style. Didn't dig the slap. Um, yeah, but, but you know, we he, he humbled, and, and we all mess up. We all screw up, and, I, and I, hope, I hope he does right by everybody. But I've been a long time, ever since I was a kid, ever since the fresh, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, man, that, that all came out in high school for me. Been a long time fan of Will Smith. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd love to just sit with that guy for two hours and, and uh, Bogart his time. Um, I was just remembering the other question. What was it? Uh, what famous movie would you want to be in? Lethal Weapon. Man, I love oh, that which, first lethal weapon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I say I like to be like lethal weapon four because that was like one of my favorite ones. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Lethal Weapon 1 still had heart, man. He was still all about his wife and had a real, real craziness to him. But all that whole franchise was just was just great. But uh Lethal Weapon 1, I really I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. So final question. Uh where do you see yourself well, 10 years from now? Holding my grandkids. Just being an elder, man. I, I'm about to get my first grandkid. My son lives in Mexico. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go meet my, my grandbaby in November. Um, after he gets married, my daughter's also get So both my kids, my daughter, and my son, are both get married this year, but 10 years, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a camper uh, or in a castle ruin or in an, on an Aztec pyramid with my grandkids, teaching them about history, the real history, all of our history, the history of the world, the whole world, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth um, with my grandkids. That's, that's my goal is, is that, that I, that I show my, my grandkids the world. That was definitely. All right. So Aaron, so before we kind of cut out, uh, is there any last minute words you'd like to say to the listeners out there? No, I just, I, yes. I always say no. And then I talk. So yes, Uh, man, we're martial artists. You know, this is the, we, we have gladiators within us. We have traditionalists, we have purists, and we have just casual practitioners. But all of us, every single one of us warriors, that warrior archetype in you, that warrior heart that lives within every single person, if you want to wake it up, sit with yourself and ask yourself, who do you love so much you die for him? That's how the warrior heart awakens. And then you get to follow up all those questions with, all right, will you go to the gym for that person? Will you eat healthy food for that person? Will you get financially free for that person? Because if you're willing to kill for them, if you're willing to die for them, man, go live for them. That's the warrior way. That's the warrior's heart. And all martial arts stem from that place, the heart of the warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining us, um, Aaron. I know um, your schedule is going crazy, but definitely this is definitely a good opportunity to actually get to speak with you and actually have you on my show. So thank you very much for that. It's my pleasure, TJ. Thank you very much. I look forward to speaking with you again, and I know we will soon. Uh, all right. So I'm going to do my little closing for the podcast. So, of course, we'll talk after I got cut out. So yeah, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for those who just joined me, Tune into my previous episodes on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the KickPod Podcast. This is your host, TJ Williams, bowing you out. <laughs> <laughs>